how do you define success? What's important in life? What is happiness? Success. Ambitions. Exploring ideas of perspectives and mindsets. Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host Adam Williams and today's guest is international matchmaker, dating and relationship expert and co-founder of the Love Collective Global. Featured in the likes of Vogue, Forbes, Business Insider, BBC and she's also host to the women's radio station. And what this person does, in a nutshell, is coaches, connects and consults on all things love, dating and relationships. So a warm welcome to Sarah Louise Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Sarah, let's say you are at a dinner party. And there's a few people sat around you. You know a few of the people on the table, but actually there's quite a few on the table you don't know. And uh, one of them's like, hey, Sarah, you know, nice to meet you. What is it you do? And as they've asked you, now the whole table is looking at you. You've got, you've got eight people looking at you and you're now announcing to the table who you are. What would you be saying? That's happened to me so many times, actually. <laughs> And you know that it's going to lead into a conversation for another hour or two. And I don't like to dominate the space when I'm not working. And what do I do? I help people find, build and deepen loving relationships. That's me in a nutshell. And I help businesses after a decade this year, actually, of doing what I do in the offline dating space as matchmaker. I'm now um, helping those who want to build businesses in the space start up and uh, serve singles and and couples who want to connect deeply so that's what I do yeah nice 10 it's a decade now 10 years where, where did it all start I I don't know where it went absolutely do not know where the time went and um, it all started when I graduated um in Manchester actually I'm from Manchester and I graduated in Manchester studying international marketing and I wanted to work in the fashion industry I decided it was so stuck in my head and I'm the kind of woman that when I get something in my head I go for it I wanted to move to London and then I had dreams of moving to New York and um, all which happened but just not in the same space that I thought it was going to happen and I thought I wanted to work in the fashion industry and so I moved to London and I was working um so hard in the fashion industry like writing about uh, London Fashion Week and you know working in editorial and things like that and I realized oh my goodness this whole industry really is about um you know about the churn it's about the product it's not about people and it's not for me and you know I really had always wanted to do that and I just kind of felt a bit stuck in a rut. I mean, luckily, it's not like, you know, you can reinvent yourself whenever you like. But for me, I was, you know, in my very early 20s. So I was at work one day and I saw an ad in the corner of the screen, uh, exceptional marketing by Google, probably. I was their target market and it said, uh, looking for a junior matchmaker in Mayfair. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, does do matchmakers exist outside of the program, the film, you know, Fiddler on the Roof? Or do you know, do they exist outside of marriage bureaus? You know, I'm really not sure. But I thought, well, that should be easy enough, you know, running around the city, figuring what people figuring out what people want, what they desire, what they need, what they deserve, and matching them with like-minded people. Well, that job's made for me. So I applied and and then I think I might have been hounding the CEO of that company a little bit and uh, making a few calls. And I met him for an interview and six hours, lots of chatting, lots of coffee later. I mean, an interview should never be that long. But then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was at a matchmaking desk in Mayfair and the rest is kind of history. Wow, Mayfair, that's nice. It seems like you're very much a people person then. You had that realisation that I want to help people how how has your job changed then from like post-covid sorry pre-covid to post-covid so obviously it seems like you've done it for a long time I imagine now there's been quite a lot of change like what what's changed in the last I guess like 18 months for you Gosh, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, if we'd have spoken 18 months ago, you would have said, tell me about the last decade of the dating industry, what's changed? But right now, the question on everyone's lips is, how did we date pre-pandemically and how do we date post-pandemically? I almost can't remember now. I almost can't remember. (laughs) We, We can't remember what it's like to be out there connecting with other human beings. How has it changed? Well, I guess I can tell you, what I've been up to during the time and what I've seen singles be receptive to. But, you know, I guess it's kind of a few days since the UK, for anyone that's not listening um, in the UK, in the UK, we've been open indoors to meet people. The British weather's not really lent itself well to dating over the recent weeks when we can meet outside. And I guess I'm just seeing right now how it's going. But what I can tell you that is coming up for people is that just like you and I have just said, what is dating like after a world pandemic? I am hearing people say that they feel like they've lost a whole ton of time. I'm hearing people feeling anxious about the amount of time that they've lost. And, you know, they're kind of so eager to hit the ground running that it does beg the question, you know, are you going to settle for less than you deserve? Are you going to fill a void? You know, it's not don't date because you're lonely, date because you're ready. Are you feeling ready? Do you know what ready feels like? Are you excited or are you a bit apprehensive? Are you dubious, you know? So before the pandemic, um, dating was just as it was, you know, people, you know, exploring the intricacies of meeting online, feeling a bit burnt out and then coming to me as a matchmaker saying, it's not working. I've got online dating burnout. I'm either either meeting too many people or feeling like I'm meeting all of the wrong people and I'm sinking so much time in swiping left right and up and down backwards and forwards whichever way and um, so they would just say you know here's who I am here's where I want to be and here's who I'm looking to meet and then as headhunters for love we would help connect them during the pandemic oh my goodness it was pretty much like the first lockdown we didn't know what was going to happen my whole business, all of my businesses, you know, Love Lessons, which is coaching, Love Connections, matchmaking, and the Love Consultancy is based on the premise that people don't use dating apps. They get offline and they figure out who they are and what they want, and they meet those people that they want to connect with in real life. I've always kind of placed online dating as a bit of a, a lesser, you know, evil, so to speak. So what do I do now? And so there was so much uncertainty 
we decided to lift our fees completely. And I thought, you know, Sarah, if you really love what you do a decade in and, you know, you're not doing it just to be a business person, you're really doing it to have it as a vocation because it does feel like that. But, you know, I run a, a company with a team of matchmakers. The, the business is also there as an element. So we decided to lift the fees in a time where people felt so disconnected and so isolated, especially singles who were, you know, cooped up alone and not, you know, sharing a home. I deal with like quite successful singles mostly. And I thought, just lift your fees. And so we did. Oh, my goodness. So we did something called mission free matchmaking. I thought we might get five inquiries or something like that. We were receiving 100 inquiries a day for two weeks. Mission free matchmaking, the BBC. the BBC picked it up. It was like this matchmaker in London. She's saying that she'll match everyone for free. Oh gosh. We were getting inquiries from Australia, both sides of the States, all across the UK, specifically London and Manchester. (laughs) And we couldn't keep up with the demand to find love in lockdown. And I thought, oh gosh, I've really bitten off more than I can chew here. But also the business is taking the investment, the hit to make love happen so we had to take on a team of volunteer matchmakers so I was literally running a little training academy teaching people how to be matchmakers what I know and it was great that the BBC picked it up we you know made some really great connections for people we were doing um you know, online gatherings. We, we got a mixologist to teach people how to make cocktails at home. And then we do oh, online. Love a cocktail. Spe- yeah, speed dating, things like that. And we really innovated. Then after that, we um, decided it wasn't sustainable for us or as a business or for, you know, the work that we do to keep that, of course. So we kept that running for about two weeks to a month because um, we wanted to connect as many people as possible. And we saw an increase in our business by something like, you know, 600, 700%. It was just ridiculous. I don't, I mean, the data was just crazy on it. Um, And then we started doing something we called digital dating. We had such a big database then to consider. And so we launched something called digital dating where we would hand select matches the way we normally would and pre-vet them and do all the ID checks so everyone is who they say they are, get to know them on their values and all of that. And then we connect people really old school for um, blind dates on Zoom. They wouldn't know who they were meeting. Uh, They'd know their name and they'd know, uh, you know, a Zoom link to go to. We'd tell them a little bit about the kind of um, connection we thought they might have. And then the team would follow it up with them the next day we'd even coordinate it in their diaries you know so they knew that they had a date say on a Thursday night at seven o'clock in lockdown they'd pour a cup of tea or a glass of wine and then they'd just rock up and have blind dates with people and quick, quick question was... what Go do you on. wear to a virtual date you, do, do you get a suit in and booted are you in your dressing um, gown like what, what I think how does that work <laughs> well the thing is I think you should well, it's an opportunity for people to dress up in their own homes because I think people weren't finding, of course, any opportunity to do that. Um, and I think you should dress how you would like to feel on a date. So, for example, if you're wearing your pajamas on the bottom and a nice top, well, it's not really going to lend itself well to how you might feel if you're on a real day. So um, we were encouraging people to 
treat it as you would normally treat it do all of the prep that you would normally do before you go out to meet somebody new and it was it added such an air of excitement and connection and you know the thrill of having a blind date when does that happen anymore it doesn't I, I, I think it'd be quite interesting though particularly like you said if you've got you've been told roughly where your connections might be so straight away you're going in with a huge amount of curiosity both for the fact that you don't know them but also it's like why have we been matched like where's the commonality how, how do they play out then how do we or how did these virtual dates play out oh my gosh well you know there was the it was it was it was during kind of like the end of the first lockdown because we'd finished mission-free matchmaking, we finished our online cocktail evenings, and then we launched digital dating. And so that that took place for a few weeks, and we still kind of do that now, but people are a bit Zoomed out, they're a bit Skyped out and whatnot. Um, so it's not as popular as our traditional matchmaking services as it was during lockdown. But people were finding they were chatting once or twice, maybe making dinner together. And then they were going on bike rides and going for coffee. And, you know, some people cycling to the other location, having a socially distanced walk and things like that. Or they're all and, sweaty from the, from the cycle. <laughs> I mean, and then there were, then there were some people who were so, um, let's say close in proximity, but were actually like safeguarding themselves. So that was a bit of a frustration, but I guess it, it was a testimony to what we do. We're really connecting people that even though they were in close proximity, like they would be on apps, but they just w- wouldn't meet each other. And the beauty of what we were doing was that, I know I've already said it was blind, but also when do people not see each other these days before they go in and date? They get to prejudge, pre-vet and make all of the assumptions that aren't necessarily true. Mm. And so what we were doing were we weren't even presenting profiles we were like here's the person we think they're a good fit for x y and z you just have to meet them and it was the getting the three-dimensional in real life lowdown of the things that they would probably try and check out on social media once they've seen it's connected to their app and whatnot and so it was a whole different ball game which people were just really loving at the beginning um and now we're back to old school matchmaking you say old school match old school matchmaking how how is it changed now how, how has it evolved where did dating and online apps come in and how much are we looking for that in-person like old school dating really interesting yeah I think not many people understand what matchmaking is versus what online dating does and the reality is is If you say match with someone on an app or a website or a platform um, and you haven't met them before or a friend hasn't vetted them and set you off on a date or whatever, is that you, it's not socially acceptable in this modern day because we don't meet in the same um, geographical, financial, socio-like situations that we used to, the way our grandparents and their grandparents met, you know, not down the local, um, you know, pub, you know, or I know somebody that's single and you should definitely meet them. And so what happens is, you know, people resort to platforms and then the questions that you might have on your mind about, you know, do they want some something significant or do they want something short term or what are their intentions? 
Today in this modern world, we have to allow enough time to get to know someone before we can broach those really important conversations. And so what we do is we end up sinking time with people that aren't aligned with us on our values, our wants, our needs or our goals or our non-negotiables. And so we have to scope it all out ourselves. And I think what happens is with modern dating with the apps is people... um, end up feeling a lot of sense of rejection of things that haven't worked out when they haven't met their person because they've had to date them three or four times before they are comfortable enough to have those conversations. And a matchmaker essentially eliminates all of that because we would only ever match you with somebody who, if you, let's say you want to have children, let's say marriage is a value of yours. Let's say um, you need somebody who's had as or you feel like you need somebody who's had as much worldly experience as you or you want to be intellectually stimulated so you know their interests in in academia really matter to you those kind of things or lifestyle we vet all of that and so you would go on a date with somebody who you know is compatible with you on all of those levels and you don't need to ask do you want to have children you don't need to ask you know um are you degree educated? Because if they've said to us, that's what they're looking for. That's what we're matching them with. So they can just get straight into the, am I attracted to you? Do we have chemistry? Do we have common ground? And where will it go from here? Yeah, I've got, I've got so many questions for you right now. I think you covered some, some good stuff there. Let's (laughs) say you're, you're coming out of the the pandemic now and you're thinking right I do want to go out there and meet people what happens if you don't know what you want you mentioned earlier like the 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 wants the needs the goals and the non-negotiables what are they what happens if you don't know what they are or what it is that you're looking for well then you're then the person that is right for you you might be like two ships in the night passing each other by and I think let's say in your mind You feel like you're ready to be in a significant relationship and you kind of, you know, you want to invest in that emotionally. You want to connect with someone and have that true connection. And you're not just dating to pass time and to fill a void or to fill your cup or whatever. You're really, you're conscious that you want to connect with someone on on a meaningful level. Well, there are so many things that you should consider before you just get out there because otherwise it's like a shot in the dark, isn't it? You know, you're just basically looking at these apps thinking, am I attracted to them in the first instance? Yes, that helps for, you know, lust, which moves on to, you know, attraction and attachment and all of that. But you don't really know the person behind it or their intention. And so I guess what I'm saying is you need to get clear on what your intention is. And you can also work towards attracting those that align with you by setting your vibe, like, setting the tone of who you are by getting clear on your values and that's really taking a good hard look on what matters to you in all of the areas and all of the facets of your life it's are you family orientated are you ambitious are you attracted to ambition and do you care about community and giving back to the world how much how much does that fit into your life what about you know honesty and what you know, what about communication? What about understanding emotional needs? Like, where are you at? And I think it's taking, you know, we can only fill each other's cups, so to speak, if we, if we're fully full, and we know who we are and what we want. Otherwise, you're 
kind of meaninglessly navigating modern dating, just hoping that you might, you know, hit the jackpot and that you might find your person. Is that what you see in movies when someone's like going about their day-to-day life and they just bump into this girl on the street and everything like falls into place perfectly? I, I mean, you know, it's nice to think it would happen. And I think I think everyone deep down has that little bit of hope that you'll just like stumble onto the person and they'll be the one. Is is there the one? Is that a thing? Okay, well, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm also going to say something to you stumbling across your person I think it's something as children it's that you know you'll meet someone they're just around the corner well we're so disconnected from human beings in this modern world we're only really connected online and so I often say to my coaching clients and I say to well pretty much anyone that'll listen that's single and looking for love is that you know your potential um, person your spouse if you want to get married or whatever they're not going to be delivered by Amazon Prime. You have to be so proactive. Like we are taught that our person is just around the corner because that's what our grandparents wanted us to think. Geographically, yeah, they may be, but are we really that connected and consciously having conversations with people that we don't know that we put ourselves in situations where we might connect with someone? I don't think so. I really don't. I think the world is so connected online that we're so disconnected in person. And so you have to really put yourself out there online. You have to really put yourself out there at singles events with matchmakers. And the best way you can kind of like, um, sounds a bit cliche, but set yourself up for dating success is to be so clear and so conscious in your communications of what you want that you are attracting the the person that's like on that wavelength. It's like, be the energy that you want to attract. Go out there and speak to strangers, like the barista in the coffee shop or the person in the queue at the coffee shop. Create conversations that could lead to a connection. I don't think people actively put themselves out there. They think they do because they join a dating app, but how often are they the ones to initiate the conversations and to be the proactive person that takes, I guess, the lead. Yeah, again, I, I got so many questions for you in that. <laughs> let's let's um let, let's go back to um. So what before I want to go on to like you know what advice can we give people to to go out and um. I guess find those romantic connections or create opportunity to find romantic connections but before we do because it seems like it's something that's important what internal work do people have to do before they start going out you mentioned and I'm going to assume one of them would be to start to understand what your values are whether it's family and ambitions communication honesty what other things do, do we have to do internally before we start going out to, to find this person? You really have to pour yourself a cup of tea or a glass of wine and <laughs> grab a notebook with a pen. This is a bit of practical, tough love. Look at all of your dating scenarios. Look at your previous relationships that felt significant to you and take stock, go through in your mind one by one. What I mean by that is take stock of what served you, take stock of what didn't. You have to really connect 
to, you know, what it is that helps you, what it is that hurt you, you have to heal it and you have to let it go. Because if you are holding on to things and you haven't taken the lessons from them, then you're just like moving forward, moving on, you know, hoping to find the next romantic person without any healing, without really understanding, without really growing. And I think, you know, the reason my coaching companies love lessons is because, well, people don't often consciously sit down and think, what did I learn about myself from that? What did I learn about what I'm willing to accept and that I'm not willing to accept? You know, what hurt me? Did I heal from it or still harboring that? You know, there's something the other day that they say, you know, people think the opposite to love is hate. Well, you know, the opposite to love is indifference. And so actually, if you look back on all of your previous romantic situations and partnerships or marriage or whatever that is no longer present in your life if you don't find yourself in a place of indifference you haven't let those people or that person go and you have to learn from it so you can grow and you can move forward and you can you can be that energy that high vibe that attracts happiness into your life and so I guess it's about taking stock taking the lessons that you've learned from love and the loss of love and when you've done that you know you can figure out and get clear on your values you can get you can get clear on what a life with somebody you know you have to have, have an air of fluidity to it though you can't be so fixed you can't be so fixed that you are not allowing people that could be right for you to come in can't allow everyone to fall by the wayside you have to like I know myself and I know my boundaries and I know my values and I know what hurt me I know what I've healed and I've let it go and now I'm ready you have to feel excited you have to feel ready you have to feel like you you love yourself so you can share love and that's where you really need to be so you can navigate modern dating with with an air of resilience easy job to do then (laughs) <laughs> easy task someone's got to do it <laughs> it's it's so I guess what I got from that then is is it's healing and it's reflection on mm-hmm. on previous relationships and dating and saying hey what worked well for me maybe what didn't work so well you know were certain aspects completely aligned with my values or were certain aspects you know indifferent from my values and I guess it's then a journey of trying to learn from each of those experiences each of those relationships and then using that to make sure that you're in a place where you're loving yourself enough to be able to go out and and meet these people so to take it forward then once you are looking to go out and meet people how can you create those opportunities you mentioned earlier like talking to the barista and you know having a conversation with someone but like how does that actually what, what does that look like in today's world how can you how can you go out and create opportunities for romantic connection well if you think um gosh it's a little bit of tough love again if you look at modern dating it's a bit bleak isn't it (laughs) you know people people aren't really just like showing up and being honest about who they they are and what they're looking for and there a lot of people approach dating with an air of cynicism thinking you know it's like it's about mastering your mindset and feeling like 
my person is out there looking for me too and I just need to create opportunities to meet them like so many people are navigating it thinking oh gosh this is really trading it's really tiring um but actually first of all master your mindset and just know your person is out there every what did we we said on the telephone the other day every um pot has a lid every pot has a lid right it's true exactly so as long as you so master your mindset first get in that high vibe that energy that you know you want to attract your person and I think happiness to anybody is the most attractive trait you can really feel when someone's happy in themselves they know themselves they're showing up for themselves you can feel that on a date you can feel that in conversations with people um and I think I think just showing up as the energy you want to attract creating conversations it's a conscious effort and not everybody's extroverted some people are quite shy but love favors the bold you've got to be bold you've got to put yourself I'm definitely bold in in the in the most literal sense (laughs) I bet but you've got to be because when I said earlier you know to kind of open the conversation about this modern dating is bleak it's because everybody's waiting for the other person to make the move it's like a chess chess board everyone's waiting for someone it's like okay well you show me what you've got well what have you got are you bringing yourself to the table are you you know showing up to attract your person what are you putting out there honestly what, we what, examples, about it all day. what, what, what examples are there for approaching people in in in, in modern dating post pandemic you know what um don't go and google this and find yourself looking at pickup artistry because you know (laughs) I will have a lot to say about that what I mean is just be authentic if you see like somebody that you find attractive in a coffee shop or a bar and they're um tapping away at their laptop or they're reading a book saying hey what what's that book what are you reading and just like showing an People like to be seen. They want to be seen. And in a relationship, you want to be seen, you want to be heard, and you want to be valued. So show somebody that you see them or say, that's a nice coat. Or, you know, acknowledge how they look if it's authentic. Don't force it. If it doesn't feel authentic, because otherwise you'll be at risk of looking like, you know, you're schmoozing everybody, you know, in every bar. Just if you find someone attractive, approach them gently, subtly, but then you know, put yourself out there. I, I, I think you have to remember the worst that they, that can happen is that they might shut you down or they might say no to a conversation. You might ask, say, Hey, can I join you? Uh, uh, this looks like a good, a good place to sit. You know what I mean? Like just be a bit bold. And, you know, if they say no, or if they ignore you and it's, it would be, you know, potentially obvious if your energy's in it, that you'd like to get to know them and if you know you have to consensually like leave it there but if they pick up on it you've actually a hundred percent just stood out from everybody else that's navigating modern dating yeah and you know what like I I think there's a lot of like fear of being rejected but like do you know what you could you could go out there and, and create you know 10 of those opportunities and get rejected at all of them but it could be the 11th it could be the 12th one that ends up sparking up you know a new chapter of your life so I think it is about trying to overcome 
that that fear of rejection and go hey do you know what if it goes wrong I'm probably going to take some learnings from this Oh my gosh, I'm so pleased that you brought up, I mean, that sounds quite sadistic, doesn't it? I'm so pleased that you brought up the fear of rejection, right? <laughs> and it's because when we were talking a little bit earlier in the podcast, I said, you know, you na- need to navigate dating like you want to be in it, but also take your lessons because, you know, you need to build resilience. And what happens is people get rejected all of the time, but you have to remember just as people reject you, you have the God-given right to reject them too like not everybody is for you and you are not for everybody and I think modern dating lends itself to meeting um so many people it's like a paradox of choice it's not the way we used to meet 20 years ago right and so yes there are singles at our fingertips everywhere we look and so we'll meet more people so we'll have more experiences we'll experience more things that don't serve us the way you know we would like to and so that also comes with an element of rejection you'll be rejected they'll be rejected but you have to know that with every rejection it's not the finale it's just another hurdle that you need to learn from and grow from and go from because the next person that could be your door to open if you allow one dating scenario that doesn't work out to close your heart you're energetically still giving that person all of you but actually you need to keep channeling your energy outwards to attract the next person that could be right for you. Just, it's a process of letting them go. Got to let it go. And you, it's not, and it's never about you rejection. It just meant that, you know, you weren't right for them and you'll meet people that aren't right for you too. And be, that's because we're allowed to have choice. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's, that's, that's also interesting stuff. I think it seems like you, you've, learned so much over the last like decade about this and as as I've sat here listening to you I'm, I'm trying to reflect back on you know whether it was something I knew whether it's completely new to me and I'm thinking actually where where do you learn about dating where do you learn about relationships where do you learn about love and I was like is it down to yourself is it you know we don't get taught this at school I'm assuming you probably learn from from families and friends and I guess that's where matchmakers like yourself come in, or coaches and consultants like yourself come in but how, how where else do people learn about this you know it's it's something that's on my mind all the time and it's it's really something that I'm so passionate about we unless we're consciously searching for it or like a matchmaker eating, breathing and sleeping, human connection or the lack thereof, we only tend to look for signs of things or reasons for X, Y and Z in dating and relationships when things are going wrong. We, we tend to only search for answers when things are going wrong. Unless, you know, my advice would be is for those who are like, you know, she's right I only ever look for signs red flags or for toxicity or for signs he or she might like me or when are they texting what does it mean and you know signs my relationship is is an intimate or it's lacking emotional intimacy like people only look for educational resources on on interpersonal relationships when things are going wrong and I think you know experts in the field have have an obligation like to educate people on what we know so those who 
want to soak up the information, want to be more conscious about communication, to deepen their understanding of themselves and to deepen their understanding of dating and their you know, relationship with their significant other. I think it's about going out there, getting development books on conflict and resolution and communication styles and the way we love, the way we give love and receive love. And also educating ourselves on what triggers us. And that comes with investment in coaching and counseling and therapy, because we all have things that we need to learn from and grow from. It's about making a conscious effort because to invest in that, because as children, we only learn about personal relationships from what our peers teach us. And those peers end up being um, our parents or, and grandparents and aunties and uncles. And that's about it because at school, generationally speaking, I remember when I was at, at school, it was like, you know, the education for relationships was, you know, it was sexual and it was like, here's how to not get pregnant. And here's how, and you know, it wasn't even about consent then. It was, it was a, you know, you know, get pregnant and you, <laughs> awful things will happen. And that's that. They didn't teach us the important stuff what does a good relationship feel like? What does, what does the relationship that's not serving you feel like? What, what does it mean to have choice? What does it mean to be, you know, for things to be consensual? What does it mean to be authentic and vulnerable? You know, we, were, we weren't taught about the polarization of, of um, how we show up, masculine and feminine. We're taught none of these things. And so we end up having to pave the way, make, make mistakes, learn from them, and take lessons and it's all through what we do ourselves in our dating and relationship journey yeah well again I've got so many questions for you when you were sort of pronouncing those questions like what's a good relationship what's a bad relationship what serves me what doesn't serve me even I, I could ask you questions on each of them but I feel like we're not going to have time to cover all of that I'm going to have to go and listen to a few of your your shows and, and look at some of your content because I feel like I've got a lot to learn I'm going to go back and touch on one of them because uh, it's something I heard on a podcast a few weeks ago and I was like oh I'd never heard of that I believe it was Jay Shetty's and um, it was about oh, there's your dog. <laughs> Sorry, what's what's the dog called? Bo, naughty. Bo. We've got Bo on the podcast. Bo, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Are you going to edit this out? <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to leave it in. Leave it. I'm going. <laughs> Bo's, Bo's, Bo's interested in in uh, hearing Jay Shetty's podcast about um, about uh, love language. I heard like languages of love. Can you tell me more about it? Oh my gosh, love language is such an important topic. Actually, I have got on my table here a Jay Shetty book that I, I haven't even think, touched yet. Think, think like, like a, a monk. monk. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard good things. Got it right here. That's the universe, isn't it? Saying, hey, Sarah, <laughs> you should read that. And so love languages, basically, it's how we communicate our love and our care in for, for other people specifically in romantic relationships and I think there's so much we can take from understanding how people communicate their care for us when we understand that we can understand them we can understand how they show up in, in relationships and also you know understand how we're communicating our love for them are they receiving it how they want to receive it and it's worth a conversation so the love languages there's five of them um, for example, how we show love, it's acts of gifts, it's acts of service, 
it's quality time, it's touch. And what is the other one? Um, Gift, words of affirmation. Time. Affirmation. What, what is the other one? Words of affirmation. And that, okay, so words of affirmation is I need you, I miss you, I want you, I love you, I care for you. Some people need to hear that. Some people say don't give that, but if they understand that their partner needs hear that and that's how they best receive love well then we would consciously make an effort to communicate so they feel seen heard and valued and I think you know for some people it's acts of service it could be anything as little as you know emptying the dishwasher or it could be picking them up from work it's like I care for you and I show that I care for your time I can see that you've got a lot on let me support you and acts of service and gifts that's really self-explanatory it's the giving of gifts instead of all of the other things and then there's quality time which is actually quality time is the one that most people I think Gary Chapman Dr Gary Chapman who developed the love languages and has done much research and most people that identify they have like a a primary one and they often have a secondary one and the primary love language is often quality time but obviously if we're not spending quality time with our partners then how are we building a relationship so no wonder um and yeah being tactile touch some people really need touch as their love language that's their thing so it's understanding them it's understanding what they mean how they show up and if we're doing it the way you know our partner see, sees and feels heard and I guess seen yeah and to, to, to communicate that then do you just have to go someone you know what is your love language I feel like it'd be a, a, a broad question to pop out the blue I'm on a date so what's your love language <laughs> but but I guess you know once you are in a relationship it is, it is a conversation that you want to have being like hey you know read about it in Jay Shetty's book or heard it on this podcast what do you think my languages, love languages are? What do you think your love languages are? I guess what, what advice would you give people to start identifying or having those communications? I think it's, and this is a question I keep getting asked a lot. How can I approach deep and meaningful conversations that will better my relationship without looking like I'm, you know, projecting onto my partner or, or, or looking, you know, a, a specific way, they've got a fear of their own rejection. And I think it's just as you said, saying, you know, I came across something the other day, uh, which basically suggested that each relationship or each two people have love languages, and I've started to read about them. Can I, shall I tell you what they are? And, you know, I've had conversations with people in the past about them, and they've just felt intrigued I mean just the term itself a love language well I'm speaking don't you understand what I'm saying <laughs> you know it's a it's it's not you know um it's not Klingon it's basically how would we show up in our relationships and and getting and there's so many tests that you can do as well um online which help you identify your love language so yeah I think bringing it up really subtly gently non-seriously can help you identify something that would significantly impact your relationship for the better yeah and I think once you can you know I'm not talking from experience here but I, I, I assume I guess that once you can can understand how to communicate better then you know you're you're going to have a stronger more happy more more fulfilling relationship with that person let's say Sarah someone's listening now that's starting to taking down notes because they're like me and they know nothing about this this uh, this uh, this topic and they're thinking Sarah where do I start 
where do I start in terms of this this whole journey? What what what's step one? Step one is going inward and doing all of the things that we talked about before, taking stock, being kind to yourself, um, taking responsibility for the things that have occurred in your dating journey, because ultimately you are in control as well. Um, it's not kind of like um, passing over the baton of, of power to other people. It's like, okay, this is what took place. Where was I at with that? What? How did I show up? So looking at all previous experiences and um, looking at how how good of a communicator you are how how do you communicate not not just in romantic relationships like what's your conflict style like what's your how do you resolve things do you understand about that do you understand how you communicate and then I would say moving on to you know figuring out your values and all that jazz that we reflected on and then seeing if you're honest with yourself do you feel ready to date do you feel like you've let it all go and you, you know, let it flow in, through and let it go. And you feel like happy and excited. Like ultimately, if you don't feel excited about the prospect of meeting someone new, well, you've already got yourself in a in a in an energetic mindset that it might not happen. And so that that might be the law of attraction. You might show up that way. So when you've worked through all the stuff, acknowledge if you do feel excited to meet other people. And then when you do feel excited and you do feel res and you're dating because you're ready not because you're lonely then I would say start to think about where you want to meet people what kind of pools with the kind of person that you're looking for what where would they be swimming what kind of pools would they be swimming in are you proactive or are you a bit passive actually and you wait for your Amazon Prime delivery to come (laughs) you know how proactive are you being yeah exactly to the dating journey to finding your partner and you know start putting yourself out you've got to be in it to win it put yourself out there at singles events don't go with your friends and I'll tell you for why the more things that you do with your friends in the offline space for dating well you you don't want your friends as competition. And also you don't want to be catching up so much with them about what you did at brunch last Sunday that you um, end up looking energetically close to prospective partners. So you want to be like there to show up, to be there, to meet new people. And so people that rock up to singles events and things like that with their friends actually have a lower rate of success than those who are just in it confidently ready and raring to go to meet their person um have a look at all different matchmakers obviously I'm, I'm naturally going to say that matchmakers get to know you and match you and then really if you're going to use dating apps please can you just vet them can you see if what kind of reputation they've got um you know, or if you're just going to do the whole paradox of choice and, and put yourself on all of them, well, then communicate clearly that you're, if you're looking for a significant other, that you're not looking for pen pals and all of that, but be positive, be honest, be authentic about what you're looking for. And the clearer you can be about who you are and what you want, the more people that are not right for you will fall by the wayside. If you're not writing a bio and you're just putting snaps on there, well, you're most likely going to be attracting people who are going to waste your time. So just be really clear, you know, it's not about, people often make this mistake, it's not about the quantity of matches that you get, it's about attracting the quality of people that align with you. So be really authentic, really honest, because 
actually you do have a lot to lose if you're not and that's time the one thing we can't make more of so yeah again i'm taking down so many notes listening to this a lot of people are as well there um you mentioned mistakes then what other mistakes mm. do you see in the dating world i would say it's a mistake for people or a lesson to experience a rejection or a hurt and then stopping and then them closing themselves thinking that all the good ones are taken and that you know they've had their time and they've met people and that's you know it's good enough for them but just don't give up on love like I'm such an advocate for love it's out there guys like I don't think we hear in enough positive stories like you don't hear your friends that are in really solid relationships talking about how solid they are because they don't want to rub it in and that's the reality we only ever hear about dating relationships when things have gone a bit you know downward spiral so from the professional side of the table I'm telling you love is out there you've just got to be positive you've got to feel it if you don't feel it you're not going to become it you're not going to show it you're going to come from a place of lack rather than a place of attracting love and I just think you just got you just got to put yourself out there don't don't it's a mistake if you feel rejected and then you stop and it's a mistake to not be responsible and accountable for all those people that are ghosting one another bread coming crumbing one another cushioning one another you know having a fallback guy or girl all of that stuff it's not kind it's not authentic it's not honest they're not mistakes but it's not treating people how you'd like to be treated like if you approach dating with love for yourself and love for the journey you are sure to attract it yeah again there's there's a lot in there what I'm gathering then from from this is it's, it's about being very clear with yourself so you start with that inner work to be clear for yourself you reflect on what's worked well what's aligned with you previously and what hasn't aligned with you previously and what's not worked well and you take those learnings and then you have to do some form of of inner healing set your intentions and then it sounds like then you're creating the space or you're at least creating a, a neutral opportunity to go out and actually meet someone is have I got the gist of it yeah I think I I think so you create more opportunity the more accountable you you can be to yourself absolutely a hundred percent yeah so a lot of internal work to do then I've I've got some some final questions for you Sarah and uh, we've got some quick fire questions that have been uh, sent in from, from some of the listeners that, that I want to share with you. The first quick fire round, if, if you're ready, is what three types of dates are there or the best three types of dates that you'd recommend? Um, first date, um, drinks or walk with coffee dog walk whatever first date is something where you're just checking in whether there's chemistry you're just seeing if you feel attracted you're just like enjoying the meeting of someone new um then I would say something experiential after that just go and do something fun whether it's like um I don't know I'm partial to a bit of kayaking or something that's like going to push you out of your comfort zone and really like see how do they are they a team player like maybe a bit of tennis and maybe if you're not active maybe it's like um 
you know, maybe it's like going bowling or maybe, you know, do something fun. I think people get stuck in a rut of drinks on a first date, dinner on a second, switch up the game a little bit, make it exciting. Like dating is supposed to be fun. If it's not fun and it's not filling your cup, then why are you doing it? Um, I'd say third day, dinner, so do something quirky, do something exciting, do, you know, do something that really makes you feel like if this is not my person, at least I've not wasted time and had a great experience. It's, like, it's almost like break, break the trend. It doesn't have to just be drinks. It doesn't have to just be dinner. Like go out and like go like rock climbing or, or something that like you're going to have a lot of high energy, create a good environment, like lo- lots of energy. You know, what I would say on that, if I may, is that so many people like yes if you're searching for a significant other you're going to take the search seriously but that doesn't mean you have to be serious like you can just be yourself and show up and 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 just see it as meeting someone new because inevitably we want to date our best friend we want to marry our best friend and if you're not becoming friends with that person and if you're so busy interviewing for a husband or wife or or whatever then surely you're putting so much pressure on yourself, pressure on the date, pressure on the situation. Just imagine you're meeting a friend, somebody that you really want to hang out with more than anyone else, and then it evolves into something significant. Stop interviewing people for life. Just enjoy the process. Just enjoy the moment. I like Mm. that. I like that. So we have uh, question number two. I don't think you're going to like this question. What are your favourite dating apps? Oh, right. Favourite dating apps, Hinge, number one. Nice. Um, Why Hinge? Why Hinge? I like Hinge because I think it does what it says on the tin. It's designed to be deleted. I like their tagline. I like their marketing. I like the fact that people can add more than just photos. Yeah, I know on other apps people can put a bio, but there are prompts. And I think people feel less pressure when there are prompts. And people can put like really quirky stuff. And um, I really like Hinge. I hear really good testimonials from Hinge. Um I don't like Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> because, because um, I think, I think Bumble women, yeah, do feel in control and they are, it's designed for women to make the first move and that's really cool. But it also allows for a lot of passivity. So I think it's, you know, so anyway, we're not talking about which apps I don't like. So Hinge is number one. Um, I really like the idea of Thursday that's coming out, but when it comes out, you know, have you heard about Thursday? I haven't. No. What's what's Thursday? Okay. So you can imagine there's only one day a week that it works. It hasn't come out yet. I'm that's talking cool. about it because it sounds great and it it sounds like it's gonna be a rival for Hinge, but the guys that run it, they're such good marketeers, but it hasn't launched yet. Basically, it's designed for you to match and chat and date all in the same day. That person is deleted otherwise. It's because we spend so much time communicating online. And for singles, they're thinking time, chat, chat, chatting, and doing something I call building pseudo relationships hinge is eradicating that it's also uh, sorry thursday is eradicating that they're also eradicating that the fear of rejection and all of that because you match you chat and you date all in the same day bish bash bosh you can chat with your mates about it over the weekend it was a good connection 
you've surely swapped numbers and you'll be in touch again because you know that the app's deleted for another week. Very cool concept. Um, other than that, I'm not sure. I, d- I don't have many on my list. No, I think mean, that's good so far. So we've got Hinge, don't like Bumble, but then Thursday. Thursday sounds interesting. That's yeah. gonna be that, that's gonna be cool. I think yeah, I don't I don't really know what other apps are out there. I'm not I'm not super in tune. No, I'm not gonna right. say any we'll, other big players. <laughs> well, we'll go on to, to question number three. When should the first kiss be? when it feels right when you feel ready and when you feel into it whether it's a first date or a third date or a fifth date whatever and um, a first kiss should be exciting it should feel natural it should feel spontaneous it shouldn't be whenever a google rule book tells you it should be yeah i like that i like that question number four what's your favorite pickup line (laughs) well we we can we can do pickup line and we can do like let's call it a conversation starter conversation starter Mm. it's a hard question isn't it because i think because it's only going to be organic if if you're delivering it in context to the situation, to the person, to, you know, wherever you are. So I think it's hard to have a single one. But the, the know, question's been asked by, by a listener, so I, I have to put it to you. <laughs> um, you know, if you're using a dating app or something, I think I often say that, you know, you should marry your best friend. And I think something I've heard before is I'm looking for a best friend that I can't take my eyes off. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's a good, it's a good I one. I think you're setting intention then as well. Yeah. And you're just saying, I'm looking to meet my best friend. So you're going to attract people who want that companionship. They want deep and meaningful connection. And anyone that's looking for a short-term hookup, you're not even saying a best friend that you want to rip their clothes off. You're saying, a best friend that I can't take my eyes off. Isn't that what we all want? It is. It is. Exactly. I like that line. I like that. That brings me on to question number five. Is there going to be a sex boom? Oh my gosh. I've got a whole article (laughs) to write on this later, like the (laughs) roaring twenties or something. Yes. Something's come through uh, today on that. And every uh, publication in the world is asking me, uh, how much sex is the world going to be having? <laughs> a lot. Is there going to be? Yes. But other side of the coin is um, something that's coming up for me is how many people are now going to settle for things that they wouldn't have before the pandemic? So people were figuring out what their boundaries were, what their values were, what what things in modern dating weren't serving them, getting to grips with that. Well, we've been so disconnected from our learnings because we, you know, so many people haven't been out there and meeting and chatting that I think people are going to start accepting behaviours that don't serve them. I think they're going to be settling for hookups, but if they really want a significant relationship, I think people are going to be um, accepting being treated unkindly or unfairly because they've been lonely so for so long and more than ever 
I'm just going to keep educating and educating and educating on what positive and happy and fulfilling connection looks like. So people can let anything that doesn't look or feel that way fall by the wayside. Yes, there's going to be a boom in sex, but is there going to also be a lack of intimacy on an emotional level? I think so too. What's what's going to be the impact of that? The impact, um, I guess it's all predictions, isn't it? But I think, I think we'll, we dating coaches and we matchmakers will see a latter end of the year boom in people wanting to rediscover who they are and what they want. I think people will get out there, they'll go crazy. They've been so disconnected and people deserve to feel connected and they deserve to touch. Like they haven't touched in such a long time. But I guess it's, it begs the question, you know, how much more time do you want to waste? Like how much energy do you want to sink? Like in other people, the word sex to me is the sacred energy exchange. How many people do you want to be exchanging your energy with? I don't know. Just a question. I don't have the answer. Exactly. <laughs> Think about it. Sarah, I'm enjoying this so much. If there's anyone that, that's uh, actually, no, I, I guess like a, a final question it wasn't part of the the kind of um, five part questions, but like thinking back over your life, is there any advice that someone's given you that's just really, really landed, and you've just like kept that advice with you? So, so is there any advice that you've been given that you want to share with, with people? Yeah. Okay. There are two things, two really important things. One can be adapted to anything, but it's more about dating. Forgive yourself for not having the foresight to see what you now see in hindsight. So we often need to learn things to see things about ourselves and to see things about the world from a different way. So we often need to... We always need to experience things to learn from them. So we have to, you know, let those experiences happen and flow through us. You know, currently reading a book called The Untethered Soul. And it's so beautiful about the way we show up in the world. And so for anyone that's, you know, feeling purposeful and wants to read that. (laughs) And so, yeah, forgive yourself for not having the foresight to see what you now see in hindsight, whether that's about relationships that haven't served your dating scenarios and forge ahead. Don't attach yourself to that. Then, if you're in a relationship, best piece of advice ever, never sweat the small stuff. It's so simple, but if you really love that person, the more you sweat the small stuff, the more the small cracks will appear and they'll turn into canyons. So never sweat the small stuff. I love it. Absolutely love it. Sarah, if there's been people listening now and they want to learn more about you, they want to connect with you, they want some coaching, they want some consulting, or they just want to follow you on Instagram, what's the best way they can get in touch? All of the things in all of the ways. And so I'm Sarah Louise Ryan. I've got a few different businesses, as you've heard me chit chat about, but you can easily find me at Sarah with an H, louiseryan.com. And then there, from there, there's a link to the coaching business, the matchmaking agency, and also a bit of brand consultancy and dating industry consultancy that I do. And if you want to get, you know, dating and relational wellness tips, you can get me on Instagram at lessons in love underscore.
Amazing. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know I've learned a lot. I know I've got some, some work to do myself. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Sarah, thank you. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast gain exposure and I will be forever grateful. Also, head to the Instagram page at Purposeful Pursuit Podcast to hear episode extracts, see behind the scenes and join others in their pursuit for purpose. Finally, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Purposeful Pursuit Podcast with your host, Adam Williams. The Purposeful Podcast. Pursuit Podcast. Purposeful Pursuit Podcast. The Purposeful Pursuit Podcast.